at SAFM Radio and at Mish Constant on SAFM. 12 minutes past nine, you are with SFM 104 to 107. And as we move towards the elections in May, and certainly next week is the State of the Nation address, so now, and we have no doubt that uh, on the 8th, we will hear when that election date is going to be set, any time between May and August, but we assume closer to May than August. But there's always been a question. The numbers are out, and there's a question around young people and how they vote vote that age between 18 and say 24 25 but it's a question of not necessarily apathy it could be around political disillusionment so what are those two words what do they actually mean and how do we shift the dial in the conversation there's someone i've been following for a long time on t twitter or x if you want to call it that imbalian tuli she's the ceo and founder of groundwork collective which is a community development initiative and one of their focus areas is focusing and encouraging democratic participation. We've been having a great conversation around what we think a democracy is. And indeed, a democracy is messy. It's dirty. Everybody gets their hands dirty. But that's what the exciting thing about a democracy is. Mbali, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So we were asking the question, political disillusionment versus apathy. And certainly when we look at the numbers of the people who have um, signed in to vote, well, there is a low turnout still in the 18 to, well, I would say 24, 25, but it might be pushed up to 34 as well. How would you um, describe that and what do you think that's about? I think it's obviously true. We've seen the declining participation um, over the last few election cycles. So, yes, we have far less people actually taking part in our democracy than ever before. And it's not just young people. It's also the age group of 42 to 59 who are just Mm. as disillusioned and checked out of what they see happening. But when it comes to young people in particular, what's happening, I think, there, quite importantly, is that they have come into their political maturation into a country where they've only experienced things like load shedding, dysfunction, NISFIS, Zuma must fall, corruption scandals. And so the political theater has put them completely off Mm. participating and plugging into the system because it seems as though there's so much dysfunction there and there's no clear path to being able to have platforms to plug yourself in as young people. And a lot of the political parties talk about wanting to engage young people, but they don't make that clear. Uh, We don't see it in many of their manifestos. And of course, we know that it isn't in their interest to go and register young people that they aren't sure are going to vote for them. And so actually, a lot of political parties... uh, are not that interested in, in in youth voters per se. There's no real return on investment for them. And so, again, this makes young people check out. But I think it's the disillusionment, not the apathy. And you'll see in the mm. in the last registration weekend, of the 565,000 that came out, 444,000 of those were young people. So that's 78% of the people that were new registries were young people. And that is encouraging. But of course, knowing that there's 14 million of them that are eligible, it's still just a drop in the ocean. And it's an indictment on all of us that we Absolutely. have let it come to this to the stage because I think if you could get all of those young people to register overnight, you would have more people on the voters' roll than have ever voted for any one single political party. And that's the conversation we need to be having. You're going to be very busy today and tomorrow, I think. You know, <laughs> it's it's we, we we talk about. You said that um, this is the, this is the generation that grew up with um, Zuma must fall, etc. They also grew up with critically fees must fall. Mm. And so if I look at someone who's 20-something, 20 20-odd, 20 whatever, 
And they go back to fees must fall and they go, uh, this was the government that promised us fees um, and, and, and a shift and change in that specific space. NISFIS is not um, 110% working as it should, then that would be a case of um, not apathy, but perhaps disillusionment. Complete disillusionment. But I also think what we've seen from a lot of young people is that they then get involved outside of the party political landscape, but they still get involved in communities. And so uh, a lot of them become activists in a lot of the communities, and we work a lot on the ground. So we constantly are finding young people who have started their own NGOs, pushing whatever niche issue that they have, whether it's about jobs or security or AIDS or you know, taking care of the gogos in the mm. in the village. And so these are young people that have decided politics for them is not a, a way that solves anything, but they're going to get up and do it in their communities. And we should be encouraging and empowering those young people. We should be then lending a hand. But importantly, what we also need to then have is a conversation about civics because unfortunately, mm. politics is everywhere. And so unless you're also going to make sure that you're actively participating in the democracy, and that's beyond just voting, but also then holding people accountable after you vote, then you can have as many civic organizations as you want, but you can't change the policy of the day because you don't have any stick to hit the political actors. And that's what I want to make sure that young people and anyone really understands. There's no use of us you know, sitting paralyzed wondering why the status quo remains when we aren't making the effort of knowing what is a ward committee, what is the mm. UIP, when is the IDP, when does my council sit, where can I make the kind of uh, comments and um, submissions that I want to. And we have a participatory democracy that is bar none best in the world. And yet we take no advantage of it as Africans because after 1994, we were so euphoric about having a democracy that we forgot that you then have to actually make sure you continue to make it work. We left it to political parties to do most of the mm. uh, you know, political education. And of course, it's always going to be bias coming from them. And then we sat back and thought that voting every now and then would fix it. You raise such an interesting point, and we were talking about it off air as well, is the issue of um, how we find out. Mm. So it's, it's actually, I mean, some people say it's super easy. You just go online and you see this, but not everybody goes online. Mm. Not everybody has access to be able to go online. Some people may be able to do it on their phone. How do we simplify it down so that, yes, everybody has access to the information, which will then give them agency? And it's also very dense. No one has the time to read through reams and reams of legislation. So we just do it in pictures. I would <laughs> well, prefer is, pictures. This is exactly what we've done at Groundwork Collective. So once we register young people, and of course with our campaign, we are all over the country and we're in Gauteng at the moment, um, registering young people where they are, malls, universities, you know, higher institutions of learning. But once we register you, we then take you on a long journey because this is about changing behavior. This is not mm. something you can do on a one-day basis and think that someone's got enough information. What we do then is that we've created a curriculum with Future Elect um, and we take young people right from the basics of you know, what is a minister? What does a department versus a ministry do? You know, really basic questions. What is a white question. paper? What is you a white know, paper? How does that How impact? does the NCOP yeah. work? How does parliament work? What is the speaker? All of these really basic yeah. things. And we take them all the way up to understanding even more complicated um, concepts like economic concepts and where mm. your taxes go. How does treasury work? And we do that in small uh, two-minute videos, animations. We're currently working on a board game that we want to put into schools so that young kids in schools can also then engage yeah. with civics and learn how democracy, again, in ways that are age-appropriate and interesting and cool for them. So that's what we've done. But there's numerous resources, I think, from many different civic societies um, and organizations that have tried to simplify this as best as possible in South Africa. Um, 
And so the, the information is out there. I think that we also just haven't done a good enough ed- uh, job as South Africans of making it cool. And one of the next conversations you must have is this should be in schools. Of course if is. children can, at four years old, le- learn about Bafana and Springboks and what a national anthem is and what that is, that's a form of civics in and of itself. Mm. We just need it's to a now... a ex- strong form of civics. Exactly. Actually. Now you need to extend it. Why are you making these kids learn the national anthem? What does it mean to be yeah. a patriot, et cetera, et cetera? So there's many different ways that we can do it. And I think schools are going to play a vital role. So we're going to have to go to a break, but we're talking to Mbali Ntuli. She's the CEO of and founder of Groundwork Collective, which is a community development initiative, focusing in many ways right now on how do we look at democratic participation. I love the idea that um, in early childhood development, we start to look at what does it mean to be a democracy? What does it mean to be a voter and put your cross and your mark somewhere as well? When we come back from the break, there's a couple more questions we'll ask her as well. Michelle Constant on SAFM. 21 past nine. Our guest is Mbali Ntuli. She's the CEO and founder of the Groundwork Collective, a community development initiative. Talking about young people voting and looking at uh, what that differentiation is. We say they're apathetic and there's this weird conflation where apathetic seems to align with or is conflated with youth apathy. But that's not necessarily the truth at all because there's apathy, but there's also political disillusionment. And we've been talking about what that is as well. Then, of course, there's the discussion around um, civics and democracy. And as we said earlier on, democracy is messy, and it's, uh, but it's about participation. You cannot have a democracy unless people are participating. And there's no kind of binary in this. One can be part of the civics world and you can be part of um, what is going on in politics as well. I was thinking about it when you said that earlier and you were just talking about that. And I think in Bali, there's this interesting idea. We keep talking about public-private partnerships, which is um, public sector and what that means and private partnerships. And then, of course, we have something like NEDLAC, which brings in the unions as well. But what would happen if we had public-private civil society partnerships, which would be civics and Mm. not-for-profit organizations. And how would that kind of stuff shift and change how we started to think about so many different things in this country and not just the political terrain as well? I think that that would be an incredible game changer. I think that Mm. civic societies and organizations in this country are by far doing the work that our state has failed to do. And Mm. they do it with less resources than they should. Um, But for, I think, again, as someone who was a politician and used to see this on the ground a lot, there are some communities that are completely held together by civil society organizations. So if you could have the amplification of the private sector as well as just, you know, the help in terms of being able to structure and systemize a lot of the work that these uh, organizations are doing, I think you'd have a game changer in terms of what we could achieve. And particularly when it came to something like civics, because let's not forget, corporates themselves uh, are not doing that well in that either. So they also have to make a concerted effort of understanding how the government works and plugs in beyond just profits or or their Mm. bottom lines. They need to become corporate citizens that are also part of South Africa and not just with some sort of CSI budget where people are are painting. I mean, we can look at the amazing public-private partnership that's taking place with the presidency around logistics. So there is is that kind of work taking place. Sure. We we, we didn't even need to get to that point. It should never have gotten there. there. But I'm just talking in terms of a a, a civil society um, outlook of it. But 
again, I, I just don't think we can have the conversations in our country about how bad things are if people themselves are paralyzed in their very homes about not knowing how to fix a basic thing that's happening outside. And we, we get this idea when we talk about civics and participation that one person is not going to change the macroeconomic policy of ESCOM. No, but what does happen is if in your community you're doing the work in your streets of making sure that your council is held accountable. They feel the pressure to make their party and mm. council feel accountable, which makes the province make, you know, the, the right decisions, which means that you then are affecting national legislation. But it all starts from where we are. Um, and, and, and that's why it's important for people to know how to plug in there. Because I just don't think people even have the basic knowledge of where they go if they do want to participate outside of a political realm. It's, it's, a, it's I mean, it's, it's, Going, it's an unbelievable year. You know, if we start to look at our elections, these, we, the opposition and the diversity of opposition is super, super exciting and makes for, I mean, anybody who was, is interested in sort of politics and democracy, this is, the perfect example. It is, and it's so exciting. And one of the things that we do again at Groundwork Collective is we're also going to be doing election observation, independence election observation, and we're getting as many South Africans who are willing to give up just three hours of their time mm. to go and stand in their voting station. We'll do the training so they can actually be a part of the excitement of protecting their democracy because I think this is going to be one of the most fascinating elections. And Absolutely. it's really fun. I think people also don't realize that because they haven't done it. It's really fun on the day. Yeah. Um, so I also encourage people to sign up with us so that they can be a part of that but not just in our country around the world i think there's yeah. like 70 super 70, elections yeah. um that are happening but also again just because we have 326 registered political parties doesn't mean they're all going to be on the ballot and i think people forget yeah. that that's also going to be very interesting to, to see, see who gets on who gets on yeah bali very briefly before we close off you you mentioned the fact that you were in politics mm. What was it that made you think, okay, I want to move into civil society rather, and as you say, the civics? I think I'd always, even when I was in politics, um, had been involved in various civil society movements and organizations just for my own personal performance and growth as well as business. Mm. Um, and I contested for the leadership of the, the DA in 2020 um, and was unsuccessful. But two years later, while I was still in the party and you know still giving out all, I really just felt that I could be better suited to doing things that I could see moving the needle a lot more. Mm. And the kind of ideas that I had that I would have implemented had I won um, just were not getting the kind of exposure in the party Mm. and traction that I thought. And I'm very happy that, you know, years later now that I do this, everything that I wanted to do, I'm able to do. And I I feel very vindicated that it's actually working really well and that we are registering young people, we're educating them. We also do food production. We also do skills and entrepreneurship. Mm. So all of our community grassroots activism work is actually yielding every single day people whose lives are being changed. And that, for me, was always why I wanted to be in politics anyway. So I still get to do the same kind of work without necessarily wearing a party political hat. I mean, a little bit earlier we were talking about um, circular economies on one, with one of the guests. And in many ways what you're doing is creating a circular value chain in, in another way. And that seems very exciting. It's about joining the dots that may not in the past have been joined. A hundred percent. And I mean, it's always easy to say as a former politician, I would have just gone to another political party. But for me, it felt important to take the work and the and the knowledge that I'd gained for the 15 years that I'd been in politics and give it back to people in a way that wasn't politically biased in any way. Mm. So I, I feel that this is also a sense of me giving back for the faith that put, people put in me by having elected me. Uh, it, it would be a waste not to tell people how they can then have the same agency. Fantastic. 
Mbali and Tulisi, CEO and founder of the Groundwork Collective, doing uh, amazing work. I'm delighted to hear that you're working in the food um, space as well. I think there's lots of exciting mm. things going on there as well. If you had uh, a few words now, you've got two minutes. What's going to be? Go out and register. Go out and register. And I know for some people who might not have the time, there's also lots of online um, digital ways to do so. And in fact, with us as Groundwork Collective, if you register on our portal, you also get a guaranteed uh, KFC voucher. We also have superfluous vouchers. You can also win private concerts with some really amazing artists. So they can register through Groundup? Yes, because we have an API with the IEC, so they can go through our portal on gwcregistration.co.za or just on our website. We'll have all the, the links to everything there. And they can register with us and they win a guaranteed voucher. And more importantly, if you have nieces or nephews or sons or daughters, you can also make sure that they register that way. So we basically are encouraging people. And you get to win something just by registering. We're also going to oh. be out in Westgate Mall today yeah. and Maponia Mall tomorrow. So we're all over Gauteng for the rest of the month. Groundwork, if people want to find out more, website, phone number, give it all out. <laughs> so they can go on to uh, groundworkcollective.org. That's our website. We GWC underscore ZA on Twitter uh, and we Groundwork Collective NPC on Instagram. We're also on TikTok, of course, for the youth mm. and all the other social media channels. But basically from our website, you'll be able to find everything about us and all the amazing work that we do. And of course, to please sign up and volunteer if you'd mm. like to either take part in our programs or if you'd like to give some of your time and just, you know, on election day, would like to be trained so that you can see what happens. We'd love to have you. Groundworkcollective.org, you know where to go. It's 9.30.